every single human that I have coached over the years in regard to the time piece realizes once they get clear that it's not that they don't have enough time, it's that they're not taking ownership and agency over their time. Welcome to the Veterinary Financial Podcast, where we discuss financial freedom and whole life success. I'm Meredith Jones, an emergency vet in Virginia. And I'm Phil Zeltzman, a board-certified small animal surgeon in Pennsylvania. We would like to thank our beloved partners, Care Credit, the popular third-party payment company, Televet, a complete platform that allows you to do telemedicine, client communication, and take remote payments, Royal Canin, fine maker of pet food, Galaxy Vets, a new corporation that allows all employees to become shareholders in the entire organization, and Eckerd Enterprises, which is a company that allows you to passively invest in oil and gas. So thank you to our partners. I'm going to introduce our guest today, Amy Jo Mathias. She is the CEO of Pavo Navigation Consulting. She was a professor and is an entrepreneur at heart. Her mission is to eliminate toxicity in the workplace. Amy Jo, welcome to the show. Hi, it's great to be here. And how much fun is that to know that people are listening around this amazing planet and that everything we're going to be talking about today um, is universal. That nobody, not no one country or culture or ethnicity or gender <laughs> or anything that we um, stereotype or block ourselves or title ourselves by um, has a block or has the corner on toxicity. We all share in it. So um, this is going to be a great conversation. I'm looking forward to it. Sad but true. So, Amy Joe, I'm not sure if you've ever worked with vets before, um, but I'd like to start with a little secret. Toxicity does happen in vet practices, believe it or not. So how big a problem is toxicity? How prevalent is it in the workplace in your experience? Yeah, not a surprise. <laughs> As I just said, we all share in it. Um, it is everywhere. And it is too bad. It is sad. Um, and it is also changeable. It is transmutable, which is what my company is all about focused on doing. And the reason we want to focus and are focusing in the workplace is because that's where most of us spend most of our time and where we give our energy and where we create. We create services at like vets and we create products and we create all kinds of things that we exchange on the market and what we build it in, the context that we build or create or do those services in actually also extend the energy that we're doing it in. So if we're um, in a toxic work environment, um, the product or the service that we are rendering also has the energy of that toxicity. So we're actually putting it out more into the world. And so it's so important to name it, see it, and learn the tools to shift away from feeding it and creating the world that we do want to live in, which is one that is 
respectful and creative and mutual and dignified and honest and all of the different iterations of what we would say is not toxic. All right. So certainly toxicity affects our health in all sorts of ways, but this is a financial podcast. And so how would you say that toxicity affects the financial health of a practice? We'll start there and then we'll go into some of the other things. Yeah, absolutely. Well, toxicity, first of all, it's a blocker, right? It gets in the way of progress. It gets in the way of of profit. And the reason it does that is because it stops us from being creative. It stops us from innovatively problem solving. It keeps us in patterns and habits that are destructive that work against us easily flowing in the office and doing what we need to do. And it is also a very negative, sticky energy. And so people don't want to be around it. And so if you are wanting to grow your practice, you're wanting to have more people come through your door. If you have a toxic work environment, people are going to feel that they're going to experience it when they come in and bring their animals in and, and they don't want it on them and they don't want it on their animals. It absolutely gets in the way of us making and creating increase and more wealth for ourselves and for others. Amy Jo, why is there even so much toxicity in the workplace? Doesn't everybody want to be happy in life and especially at work? Uh, yeah, I think we, I think most of us do want to want to be happy. <laughs> and I believe that the reason why there's so much toxicity is because of the way our world and the way we understand it has been shaped. So this leads me into really the philosophy that is the foundation of Pablo Navigation, coaching and consulting, is that the world as we know it and how it functions the stories that we've learned about what is real in what is possible, um, who's good, who's bad, what's good, what's bad, all of those kind of narratives have been shaped through the three primary energies of fear, lack, and separation. We refer to that as fliss in the shorthand. <laughs> and fliss and all of the iterations of fear, lack, and separation have taught us habits that have created patterns that feed toxicity. And that's why there is so much of it, especially at work, where we feel, and it's real, it's true, uh, some level of threat connected to it because this is what the language my clients use all the time. If I don't play along with the game, then I'm going to lose. I'm going to lose my job. I'm not going to get promoted. Those kinds of fears. And so we go along with, quote unquote, the way things are and or the way things have to be, even though people are miserable. And, and it's manifested in how they are able to function at work. And it also comes out in our bodies, right? Physically in our health and, you know, our back aches and our stomach aches and our neck pains and et cetera, high blood pressure. All of these kinds of things are results of living in and with 
the stories that come from Fliss. And if I could just say one more thing, the beauty about recognizing Fliss is that there's no judgment because we've all been raised in it. We've all been shaped by it. And so we don't have to judge ourselves or other people when we see it, when we see the evidence of, of the toxicity. We just can look at it with observational truth, which is benign energy, and then we can make a choice. Once we see it, we can choose. And that's power. All right. So let's dive into these three negative energies, fear, lack, and separation. Let's dive into these a little bit more. Can you talk to us more about fear as a negative energy? Sure. Actually, if I can just flip that around just a little bit, and Mm -hmm. I'm going to start with lack, because that is really the core driving energy. We think that it's fear because actually we've kind of learned that the two main energies in our world are fear and love, right? And we should all choose love, but we end up choosing fear. Really, what I have come to understand is true is that lack is the primary driving energy for bliss and abundance is the primary driving energy for the opposing energies to bliss. the answer, the antidote, which is love, abundance, and unity. And so lack is the story that there's not enough, right? There's not enough time. There's not enough money. There's not enough resources. There's not enough clients. There's not enough um, fill in the blank. And the other side of not enough resources, money, wealth, all that kind of stuff is I'm not enough. And so what that ends up driving is fear. We get afraid. I'm not enough. I'm not going to do my job well enough. People aren't going to come to my practice. I'm not going to attract the best talent. There's not enough clients to come. There's not enough money to make. And when we get afraid for that, then we shut down. We stop taking risks. We stop looking for innovation and we create separation. All right. So how about separation, Amy Jo? How does that play a role in veterinary practice? Yeah. Separation is one of the most powerful energies to look into because it's, in my experience, easy to understand and see and then apply. Whatever separates us stops us from communication. So if we're not communicating well and we're not communicating with clarity, we usually end up not doing as well in our work as we do when we are unified and we are open with each other. We're honest with each other. We trust each other. So you can, you know and can identify that you or your team is in separation if there's no trust. If there's not open communication, if folks are gossiping, if there is an undercurrent of, well, mistrust for leadership, for the vision, for how that's being carried out, what the goals are, and also um, lack of support all leads to separation, which ends up, as I said at the beginning, blocking us from really being able to move forward as a whole team to build a practice that is wildly successful. So before we 
talk about the antidote. Quick question. Did you invent the Fliss concept and the Lao concept? I did. I did, yes. Over wow. years and years of academic study and in-person day-to-day practice, I'm, my academic background is, is, might be surprising to you and your listeners. I'm, I'm a biblical scholar. And I was a practicing uh, Lutheran pastor for 15 years. And the reality of being in that space and with that kind of story and doctrine and what I experienced there really was very, um, <laughs> very weighty on a variety of different um, fronts. And then from there I left and I was, as you said, at the beginning I was a professor for 10 years teaching ethics and religion. And then I was also in the nonprofit world doing um, government as well as international development. So I've kind of been through and around a variety of different industries and have identified this very similar experience across all of them. And when I landed on fear, lack, and separation, and then love, abundance, and unity, I have found in it that it is very, very accessible to everybody. You know, it doesn't matter where you're raised. It doesn't matter what country you live in. It doesn't matter what religion you practice, or even if you practice one at all, it doesn't matter what gender you are or what, you know, political affiliation you're in. Everybody can understand and identify fear, lack, and separation, as well as love, abundance, and unity. And so that's why I think it's so powerful. Mm -hmm. So as you said, the three positive energies, the antidotes, are love, abundance, and unity, which you abbreviate as Lao. But tell us more about the love concept. How does love happen in a veterinary practice specifically, <laughs> assuming you're not a hippie and you're not heavily medicated? <laughs> Sorry, I love that question. Um, there are, for each of these energies, different iterations as to how they show up, right? And love has always been one that is, I think, difficult to grasp because it means something different to everybody and it can be difficult to action. Like, How do I action love, especially in a workplace? And we haven't answered that question very well. And so pretty much love's been alienated from our workplace and that's at our detriment. When you think about how does love show up? Respect, regard, listening, mutuality, all of those that I just listed allow for collaboration, problem solving, innovation, and those are what move us forward. Those are what move the needle to where we want it to go in the direction of increase and wealth, but also joy, celebration, fun. I have one company that I work with who's like one of their main values is fun. We just, we want to make sure we have fun while we're working. Well, what's wrong with that? That's beautiful, right? We spend so much of our time there. Let's do this care that we bring for these beautiful creatures. Let's do it in an environment of joy and passion and 
celebration, a place where people feel free to ask questions and express doubt or concern or say, I don't know something without feeling like they're at threat. All of those are examples of what love in a vet practice would bring, does bring. So how about the abundance mentality? Certainly abundance has many meanings. And so how do you bring that into your work? Sure. Abundance is my favorite one to talk about because it is expansive. That's what abundance is, right? It is allowance. It is permission. I was just in a client call this morning before this podcast talking about the, we call it the superpower of permission because it gives so much space for us to own what we're feeling, speak the truth, ask for help, say, I don't know. So that is an example of permission or excuse me, of abundance. So is allowance. Um, so is knowing and believing and trusting that there is more than enough time. And that can be one that people have difficulty grasping, but I say, because I hear this over and over again, there's just not enough time. There's not enough time, not enough time on my plate. I have way too much to do. There's not enough time. And the reality is that we all have the same amount of time <laughs> and um, there's an abundance of it. The problem solved for this is that we need to look at how we interact with time. Are we bringing clarity to our priorities that drive the choices that we make about how we use our time? And I will say every single human that I have coached over the years in regard to the time piece realizes once they get clear that it's not that they don't have enough time, it's that they're not taking ownership and agency over their time and how they use it. And so that is an, also an example of abundance. Very good. So the last piece of the trilogy, love, abundance, and unity, is unity. So what do you mean by that? Unity is seeing ourselves in each other to be very blunt and specific about it. The impact of that is huge. And I think we're seeing this really in the United States today very clearly. When we other people, we are separate from them. And when we're separate, we have a much more difficult time doing all those things we just discussed that bring us um, into a more productive joyful, expansive practice. When we're separate from each other, we have a much more difficult time getting through conflict with one another. When we're separate from each other, we don't trust each other. When we are separate from each other, we don't feel free to take risks and share ideas. And so innovation, creativity, progress, all of that shuts down and gets much smaller when we're separated from each other. So unity means if I, even in all of our differences, because I don't want to pretend we're not different, we are, and that to celebrate those differences, see the differences in each other, and also deeper beyond that, 
the unity of who we are as creatures and human beings on this planet, we are one in that. And that precedes everything that distinguishes us as different. And when we can get there and take actions that feed unity as opposed to feeding separation, we are much more effective as a team working on a common goal. All right. As you're talking, I'm thinking about the way that this applies to veterinary practices. And I'm thinking about separation. There's a lot of talk about separation between the front of the hospital and the back of the hospital or uh, separation between the way that the vet assistants see things and the way that the managers see things. And so there's quite a bit of uh, quite a bit that we can bring uh, into veterinary practice when we're looking at these things. Another thing that was striking to me when you were talking about abundance mentality and you were talking about being able to say that you don't know. And that's something that I think some vets struggle with when they first graduate. They feel like they're supposed to know everything. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it from an abundance perspective, well, first of all, not every case has an answer. Um, so that's mm-hmm. something that we all have to <laughs> come to terms with as vets. But then also just knowing that you don't have to know everything. And that if you don't know, then maybe a colleague knows, or maybe you need to refer the case to someone who does know. There's a lot to uh, a lot to think about there. And then the time component as well. The time component it's a little more difficult because I'm an I'm an ER vet and I'm thinking, well, I don't I don't have all the time in the world <laughs> to to figure out these cases. And so, what do you think about that when you're looking at? Of course, every business has time constraints, but um, I guess are you looking at it more of a perspective of let's make sure that we're prioritizing what's most important for the business so that everything else falls together? Yeah, that's. These are really great observations and questions. Thank you for getting really meaty with me. Um, I have some clarifying questions I will follow up on about the separation piece in a minute. But before I address the time question, I just want to say one thing about about not knowing. This is a beautiful example of Mm -hmm. the reality that really the truth is nobody knows everything. Uh, you know, about anything. And when we can allow that, there you hear the abundance there, when we can allow that to be true without a judgment, then we actually open up to more discovery and learning that also leads to unity. So what you just talked about was an example of the abundance leading to love that leads to unity. Because you said, A, you don't have to know everything. What a relief that is. And then B, you can refer the case to maybe somebody who does know it. That's connection. That's unity. That's working together. That's mutuality. And maybe together people will discover something that nobody had discovered before. And so now we all know something new that we didn't know before. So Mm -hmm. that was just a beautiful example of how Lao actually works in real time. So speaking of time, yeah, as an ER vet, you have demands that are on you that you can't predict, I imagine. 
nor can you change the situations. It is what it is. And you will only have so much time in that moment to do what you discern needs doing. And you, I imagine, trust yourself. You require that and um, the colleagues that you work with, and then you act. And that, to me, is examples of clarity. And I imagine you prioritize what needs doing first versus second and third, and then you, you act accordingly. That fits within the abundance scope of we have we all have the same amount of time and it's how we use it. And so you are being very clear and precise about how you're using your time when you are being called into action as emergencies present themselves. In terms of the business, yes, you're exactly right. I was, I mean that we need to look at what are our goals and priorities for the business in Q1, in Q2, Q3, Q4, and then decide what our actions are going to be, prioritize those to serve those goals, and then discern the day-to-day time use in also to, to map up to those. So this is also something that I give people to do every single day. We call it the top three critical, that before you start your day, identify the top three most critical things that need to happen. Then look at your calendar through the lens of those three priorities and ask, is what I have on my calendar in service to supporting those priorities? So this is, you can expand that tool to use for, you know, Um, year-long goals, quarterly goals, daily goals, and then take real ownership of your calendar. So as an individual or as a team, how can we move from that more negative energy state, that fliss state, fear, lack, and separation to more of a positive state with love, abundance, and unity? Yeah. The first step is awareness. Simple as that. Just bring awareness to where the fear, the lack, and the separation show up. And I will direct you and your listeners to my company's website. It's just www.pablonavigation.com. And if you scroll down a little bit on the homepage, you'll see two panels that give you different iterations of how these show up. And the more clarity we can bring to what fear looks and feels like, how it behaves, same for lack, same for separation, the more we can identify where they're at in the workplace. And once we identify them, we can choose, do I want to continue to feed this or do I want to shift and ask the question, how would love, abundance, and unity act right now in this particular situation. And I will offer that just that process right there, just taking the step and asserting your will to identify the fliss, say, I don't want to feed it anymore, and ask, how does love, abundance, and unity show up here? Just that shift actually realigns energy even before you get the answer of how does Lao show up here. So that's the first step. 
So, Imija, let's say somebody realizes they have been responsible for a toxic environment. What's the next step? So, do you, do you have a 10-step program? <laughs> um, that's a good idea. I don't have a 10-step program yet. The First of all, the first step, I would say, is to congratulate yourself for recognizing that you have been part of creating a toxic work environment. And then be kind to yourself. So don't judge, don't beat yourself up, don't say what a horrible person I am and or say that about somebody else. <laughs> because again, we come by this honestly and we, we're pretty much doing what we've been taught how to do. So then the next step is asking, do I have a will to shift away from this environment and the actions that I've taken, that we've taken, because it's not ever just one person, to build and create and cultivate something that's different, something that's healthier, that's, that's more Lao-based. And if the answer is yes, then the next step is to get that clarity. Clarity is one of the primary tools of Lao. Um, clarity is always love, abundance, and unity, even when it doesn't feel good. It is always Lao. Um, because once we get clarity, we can make choices. And so where is the toxicity showing up in that work environment? How does it present itself? You mentioned the split between the front and the back hospital and between the vet assistants and the managers. So how do we bring clarity to what each of those respective areas think, see, want? Where is their conflict? How can we use the tools of love, abundance, and unity to get closer together to a unified perspective or even just understanding our conflict and where we're always going to conflict and then who the decision maker is in the room and everybody understands that in the end, that person's going to make the decision and that's the way we're going to go forward. So these are just some uh, steps for moving through this. And I would offer higher Pavo Navigation to come in and help you get clarity and ask more and more clarifying questions. And then um, get coaching because really everybody needs a coach. And um, we need a space that's outside the practice to be able to be vulnerable and share what's really going on for us and have somebody who's an expert in this help us figure out, okay, how do I language this? How do I talk about my feelings and my experience here? Because language is super important because what we say and the words we use to say it with actually create the environment that we live in. And so how we conflict, the words we use, the way we ask questions, the way we point things out to each other, that's all equally important. And so finally, let me pretend that I went through 10 steps. I didn't. But if I had 10 steps, the last would be give yourselves permission to understand this is going to take a minute, right? Like we're developing new muscles and we have not as a, as a society 
um, generally speaking, we've not practiced the Lao muscle very well or very consistently. So it's not very strong. And we're going to make mistakes. We're going to blow it. We're going to get knocked off the surfboard. And that's okay. The will to apply is to get back on. All right. So what percentage of businesses that you've seen have some level of toxicity in them? Oh, I would say 98.9%. Actually, I, I've, I've not ever encountered a business, <laughs> an organization, an institution that doesn't have some level of toxicity in it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's just a matter of how much toxicity. Yeah. Yeah. It's just yeah. a matter of how much. And I will say that, you know, within companies and organizations, there are teams of people, I think, who have a much lower degree of toxicity as they work together. And then mapping up to leadership, that's where a lot of the toxicity takes place, which is kind of understandable because there's a lot mm -hmm. of uh, feels like secrecy, lack of communication, there's more threats, all that separation really gives and creates room for more toxic work environment. So within organizations, there are less toxic teams, but as a whole, it's everywhere. And I think, you know, it doesn't take a lot to understand that when you kind of look at our world and how we treat each other, and how we work together. And I think one of the gifts we've gotten over the last year and a half is that we see that really clearly now. And I think that's a good thing. So let's say I have a toxic team member. How can I get them to see the light? And how do I get them to be better? Yeah, well, I would first say this is something that we all do together. So there isn't just one toxic team member. We all need to understand we contribute to the environment as a whole. Um, and then, yes, definitely some folks are more <laughs> committed to it than others. So I would start with a general conversation with everybody to talk about what our values are as a team. What do we hold as those guidelines, those, those guiding lights that inform how we do the work that we do? And then once you identify an agreed upon values list, I, I recommend no more than three to five because you should be able to keep them alive and in your memory easily. The next step is, okay, so these are our values. How do they show up? How do they show up in our in our day-to-day -day tasks? And this is when you would talk about the split between the front and back of the hospital and, and the vet assistants and what they see and the managers and what they see. And, and once we understand and agree, this is how we are going to do our work and be the veterinary practice that we are, then we can hold each other accountable, right? Then having that conversation with that one person is so much easier because we have this agreed upon uh, agreement <laughs> f 
for how we are going to be present with each other. And when we don't do it, then we can say, hey, I'm curious if you are aware that when you did A, B, and C, that really was outside the boundaries of what we agreed we are going to be as a veterinary practice. And then you can get into a conversation and a dialogue with them. And that also allows for that kind of clarity also allows for people to realize, you know what, this isn't the right vet practice for me because I don't want to be respectful. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if anybody would not want to be respectful, but it, but that clarity does allow for us to ultimately exit people if that's the case. So this is good stuff, Amy Jo. Thank you. What important question should we have asked you? Hmm. Um, I don't know. These are great questions. They they've been very juicy and a lot of a lot of fun um, to talk about. I think it's just a process to get to this place. And so, as your listeners are taking this in, I want to emphasize. A few things. One is that this is a new way to look at the world. And so it's going to take some practice to apply it. And once you begin to actually do it, it gets so much easier pretty quickly. And that it actually works. And so what I have found and what my clients have found is that love, abundance, and unity is so actionable and immediate and applicable that um, it really, really does bring profound impact. And so give yourself time to experiment and play with it as you build that muscle and then begin to see the benefits of it. And so you'll just want to keep doing it more and more. Your initial response displayed love, abundance, and unity, by the way. <laughs> so, Amy Jo, where can our listeners connect with you? Yeah, the easiest way to connect is through the website, which is, as I said, www.pavonavigation.com. And if you're just feeling like you want a direct connection to me, you can easily email me at amyjo, A-M-Y-J-O, at pavonavigation.com. All right, excellent. And now we are coming to our final question. Amy Jo, what is your best advice for our listeners? To commit to seeing the fear, lack, and separation around you in your practice, in your choices and actions, and observing it in the way your team works in and with each other and to do it without any judgment and with a commitment to shift away from the fliss and learn how to action the Lao. To just start. <laughs> just start. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Amy Joe, thank you so much. You're so welcome. This has been great. Thank you so much, Amy Jo. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and hit the subscribe button so you'll be notified of new episodes. Until next time, take care and continue your path to financial success.
The information provided in this podcast is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a legal or financial professional before making any investment decisions.